Hi, everybody. This is John Cherry, and welcome to part two of the two-part podcast with Professor Philip Spies. If you haven't listened to part one, please have a listen to that one first, because this is a continuation of my discussion with him. Welcome to the podcast, Heroes of Futurism, with me, Jonathan Cherry. This podcast is about the future and how to create it, what opportunities exist, what ideas are worth thinking about, and how you can begin to design the future that you want. Let's start right now. Uh, I, I read a piece the other day about one of the most undervalued parts of leadership is deep listening. Deep listening? Uh, not necessarily having the right answers, but yeah. having the ability to listen really carefully. As but to also to have saying. the ability to ask uh, relevant questions. Mm. The quality of the mind is in the quality of the question. Mm. But because the quality of the question tells you the, the kind of uncertainties in the person's mind. So that's important. Mm. Questioning is important. Your, your thoughts on the future of South Africa, I, I know that you've thought about this extensively. Um, where, I mean, understandably that you, you need to have optimism about, about the country, but how, what, what are your thoughts currently as to where South Africa is heading? How do you define an optimist? Someone that has hope for the future, someone who sees yeah, that there that's is... That's not an optimist. <laughs> Everybody has hopes. An optimist is a person who can see a serious situation that is fearful and so on mm. and do something about it. Yeah. That's an optimist. Optimist is a person in action. Not running away, mm. but the person that tries to solve a problem that, that, uh, that, that's difficult. So, yeah, in South Africa, we can never build a society here unless we have understanding. Our greatest problem is not a lack of resources, although we have a lack of resources. Our water, our soil, our minerals are going down, you know. Mm. We're not, we're only now about the 10th gold producer in the world, whereas 40 years ago we're top of the heap and mm. diamonds and everything that built this country is, is now going. The wealth of this country lies in the people of this country. Mm. Like it is the same in everywhere, in America, in Europe, and so on. This is a new world where you talk about embodied wealth, which is different mm. from ex 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 uh, wealth in the soil and that. If you look at, at, at uh, the land around you here in the vineyards, if you talk about natural wealth, it's, it's almost zero. Mm. But what you do with what you had, that, that, what you can get, is, that's the real wealth. So the first point is the ability of the people <clears throat> to function properly. Mm. Their skills, their thinking, their worldviews, and that. The second thing, as important, is the ability of people to work together. If you have a rugby team, and that rugby team has a brilliant people, Brilliant scum off everything and so on. Everybody out of the best in the world. Mm. But they can't function together. It's not a team. They will lose to a mediocre team. Mm. And that is the same with a society. You can't build a company without people working together. Peter Drager said, he said, culture will eat 
Good strategy for breakfast. Mm. What is culture? Culture is actually the rules of the game within which society works together. How they understand it, how they see the world and so on. So in South Africa, with its diversity, its huge diversity, which is a benefit, but if we're not using it correctly, it is a basis of conflict. Mm. And at the moment, it's a basis of conflict. Yeah. We talk about the blacks, we talk about the whites, we talk about everybody, we refer to them and us. Mm. Only when us really means us, all together, this country will become a, a, a wealthy country and a functioning country that can work. Mm. Only in that case. Yeah. So if you had to advise the president, if he was sitting here instead of me, what would you say to him? Well, <laughs> first of all, uh, there are certain things that must be now taken care of. Mm. Uh, the, the, the corruption, he's doing that. Uh, all the criminal problems in this society, all the whatever you yeah. want. Poaching abalone, poaching this, stealing that, mm. murders and so on. That must be settled down. Mm. You cannot, you cannot cure a society un, unless you bring stability, at least for a period of time. Mm. Then I will say, go around the country, every, every community, come together and talk on how you will solve the problems that you have here in front of you. Mm. Go to the, uh, the, the squatter camps mm. and everybody start to talk about the particular situation in their particular uh, area that they live in, mm. come together. Once you can do that at the local level, you build up networks. And only in the end, there can be a small role for government. Mm. South African government will not be able to solve the South African problematic. It's impossible. But only people working together will solve it. And I will, I will focus on that and I will give the freedom for people to act in that way. Mm. And then also um, get the apartheid uh, psychology out of the minds of people where they say, well, uh, you're a black, you must do this. You're a white, you can, can you do that? You, you know, like in the old days, we still have it today. Mm. It's called uh, black economic empowerment. Mm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't empower, but because you, if you, if you have to empower poor people to be better mm. in the long time, but how you do it is important. If you obstruct, if if you obstruct the allocation of crucial resources of which human resource, the human capability, the human willingness to act, the human empathy, mm. when and you replace that with interracial or intergroup conflict mm. with. Uh, saying this is these people are doing this and this and so on, you cannot function together and you will not solve this country. So let's work together. Understand your situation at the local level. Plan solutions. Work together to to solve it. And then what you do is build the all the symbols and so on around it, they set up a communication system that can communicate flags or whatever, statues if you want to do it, or all kinds of stuff. Of course, complex issues are symbolically 
communicated, not by mm-hmm. words yeah. or not by little pieces of paper. I will, I will follow that five dimensions. Mm. Stabilization, contextualization, idealization, creation, and communication. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I, I really like the idea of um, sorting out the problems that are within people's communities. Uh, because it feels like a lot of the narrative is about how do we fix the whole country. The uh, government must fix it. This mm. is the mindset. Change that. Us, we must mm. fix it. Yeah, it's about taking responsibility. Not somebody else. Yeah, which is about taking responsibility for yeah. what's around you. I think on that point, there's. Um, I, I want to talk about this topic, which I know the IFR. I'm sorry about the flight is so far. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, the IFR talks a lot about it, and there's a lot of research from institutes around the world about the future of work. What are your feelings about the future of work? Because it's obviously something which is really bothering people, you know, knowing that there's disruption from technology, there's disruption from globalization. People are finding solutions through populism and isolationism. They think that that's a solution to the problem. What are your feelings around the future of work? The future of work is not a problem for competent people. Mm. Uh, I remember, you know, some 30, 40 years ago, I was on a committee for the Department of Labor, and they want us, wanted us to project future workspace, you know, where people work. And I said, well, uh, you can't project that, really. The only thing you can do is to pre- prepare people to adapt and to have the capability to act uh, uh, on, on situations. Uh, that is what I call competence. Competence is to look at the situation and to be able to face it. If you train people to be narrow-minded within disciplines, they, they will be extremely intelligent but totally incompetent. Mm. Competent is to solve practical problems in a practical way. Using what you have, your knowledge, that's a different style of training, different style of teaching. And uh, so, to answer that with a future of work is a question, it is, it's becoming a very fashionable question. I would say it's not a problem for competent people. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you because, uh, as you say, competent people will always find problems to solve. Yeah. So, there will always be work because there will always be problems. Well, yeah. If you, <laughs> you see, if you move... If you take an animal out of the context of its existence, it mm. will probably die from some reason or another. Yeah. To live contextually means you move ahead and you understand the world that you're living in. Mm. You understand the people around you. You understand the problems. You have the skills to tackle some of that. Mm. Not everybody has the same skills, but collectively there must be the skills. People must think differently about their reality. They they shouldn't search for for jobs. Mm. Yeah. There shouldn't be a problem that I cannot find a job. You have to be able to look after yourself. Mm. This is development. Development is defined by ECOF mm. as the ability and desire. The ability and desire. The ability and desire to solve your own problems and those of society. Mm. Both the individual and the collective. Yeah. You must have empathy. If you if if you don't have a society that with that quality, with that quality of empathy, of understanding each other, will come back to us, you will find it extremely difficult. Mm. 
to bring your competence into play in a communal in a communal context. So on that point, you talk a lot about training. And I think exactly as you say, there's an apartheid mindset still in South Africa where people think that they are disempowered. So they need to uh, look for solutions from someone else. The government will provide a solution. Companies will give me a job. It's it's very defeatist. In that way, the same uh, in the same space, it's about this: the future of work, taking responsibility for solving problems, and uh, the desire and the intention to create opportunities for yourself. How do you think people can train themselves better? How do you think they can be more self-aware? Um, what would you advise them to do? If someone says to you, but prof, you know, I've got absolutely nothing. What, what do I do? How do I train myself to think? I will ask you, where do you live? You say, I don't have a house. So do you think it's impossible for you to build a house? Yes, I don't know how to do it. Well, let's see how we can help you to do to build your own house. Mm. Housing itself, you know, for example, uh, I had a chemical engineer doing economic structural research for me at the, the Institute for Futures Research. Art Mr. Langer. And he developed a model of social accounting matrix. Samson. Mm. Where he pointed out that self-help housing in South Africa uh, has a greater multiplier effect than anything else. And if government should put in, say, a billion rand in it, and they have the right structure, they will, they will not put a billion rand. It will come back to them again in terms of the multiplier effect. So I, I, uh, I'm also a fan of Yamshid's uh, approach, where Yamshid Karajadaki, which I referred and, uh, to in, in our class lectures, where he said, well, if you want... Uh, if you want to have a medical service that can serve the, the serve the community and the nation, mm. you have to start from the bottom up, and you build them slowly up, 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 up. So you train a few people in, say, uh, uh, nursery skills up to a level, and then you have examination board, and they pass. The guy gets paid. You personally train. Mm. This person will go up doing a next level one. The people pass that will train other people and you have this cascading effect. If you want to build a community, you start, you can start building a community by helping them to build their own houses in terms of their own design. Let them plan collectively and then plan individually. In other words, how do you set it up? And do, but allow them to do it themselves. They won't build that place down. I'd say highly doubt that they will build, burn down the house that they self that, uh, created. A, a lot of these uh, riots that you have these days, these uh, protest meetings, is because people became totally mar- marginalized in this nation, in this country. It's not a nation, in this country. They feel simply they're not part of it, they're not part of society. They totally alienated about society. Mm. So why should I worry about anything? Huh? But if you can get them to start building on their own solutions, step by step, by simple things, by 
by, by say, helping themselves out in terms of ordinary medical services, training people that way, even at schooling. Mm. Why should we have matriculants doing nothing if they can easily be mentors at the school level for, for children at the, at the lower? Why should we have those people walking around in the streets? It's a different style of thinking. Mm. You, and this is how you build the future. You, you build the future step by step, doing practical things at the practical level, at the local level, people coming in, solving the problems that they face with, helping them to solve their problems. Mm. So, this is, this is my route. This is the one that I, you know, very briefly, how yeah. I should approach it. Well, I get I'm now trying to, to get, a, 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 they want to close down a primary school around the corner. And I'm looking to possibility make it, uh, change it into a trade and technical school. Hmm. Yeah, I think what, I, what I'm really taking from what you're saying is that it's about asking great questions of the problems that are all around you. And I think... Uh, and solving them. Yeah, and solving them, obviously. But I think the, the first step is to know that you have the ability to ask a great question of, of what you are experiencing. Well, to ask the right question. Hmm. Why, why am I... Why is it that I face a situation yeah. of this nature? Yeah. Isn't there an answer for it? Mm. It seems like such a difficult thing for people to do, though, but such an easy... It, yeah, it's because people became, I feel so disentangled, disentangled from their reality. They're not part of a reality anymore. They live in their mm. little mind boxes and, and, and can't get out of it. Yeah. Do you think... Okay, so a bit of a controversial question, but it's something that I've been thinking about. Do you think that, um, I mean, it, it feels like a lot of future studies and being a futurist is uh, kind of like being a psychologist for groups of people. Do you think that there is value in <laughs> not necessarily studying psychology, but uh, a large part of future's work is psychology? Uh, well, in the early 1980s, I was faced with a problem in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, they th they asked me to 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 forecast the future, and I said, "Well, what?" And I listed them, and I came to the conclusion that it's a conflict within that part of the world mm. between the Zulu and the, the administration, and so on. And and I started thinking about that, and and um, so I, I walked over to the psychology department. And I I started discussion with Professor Betsy Nell. Mm. Uh, she, I think she specialized in a certain sense in social psychology, but anyway. And the, the outline that I didn't knew is the same that I came out of that one. Mm. You cannot. You cannot help a troubled person if you can't stabilize the situation first. Mm. Whether it's drug abuse, whether it's uh, alcoholism, or whether it's something else, then you have to start, you have to help a person to understand. Why is it so? What's happening around? Then you should ask the person, now tell me something. How will you solve that? Mm. Let's talk about solutions. Idealization. Mm. Say, okay, now we have it. Let's see if we can do it. That is implementation. Mm. What you think, 
implement also. While implementing, you learn. While learning, you think better. You understand better. You became more stable. And then, the logical next thing is, how do you communicate what you want? Mm. Let's talk about it. Human systems function in communication. Mm. Human systems are multi-minded, and if you link out communication, whether it's language or whether it's anything else, that system cannot function properly. Mm. So you have it. And this is what I walk out of Betsy Nell's uh, after a week or two discussion, and mm. that was what I started implementing. Yeah. Yeah, powerful stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it just, it, it feels that that, as you say, it's, it all comes down to thinking. It comes down to the way people think about things and obviously how do they action their solutions yeah, well, to that. And yeah, and I, remember, I will refer back to the, the cognitive, mm. the affective, yeah. and the cognitive. Yeah. It's, um, and I guess when I have these discussions with you, it just makes me realize that uh, so much futures work is focused on such a narrow field, which is generally technology, which is such a waste uh, because that's, well, as you say. It's, not, it's also not uh, fixed on technology as such. It is fixed on artifacts. Yeah. It, it is, it's a fixation on artifacts. Yeah. Technology changed society and society changed technology. Yeah. It is an inter interactive systemic process. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think anymore like our grandparents and great grandparents of 150 years ago. Mm. It's a different world. Yeah. We have to cope with this world. It's a different world. <laughs> the challenge is how do you handle the fruits of technology also? Mm. Can you do it with wisdom? Or, you know, if you can't do it, you mess up the world. Yeah. This is why we have the climate problem. That is uh, acting without understanding. Mm. Yeah. And we don't really, I, I don't think we've necessarily understood what kind of problem climate change is. Uh, it's, uh, well, we, climate change creates problems, but it's, a, it, it's, a, it's, it's also a result of a bigger problem. Mm. A problem of values, a problem of acting. Yeah. And so on. And not understanding the public good. Not understanding the use. Not understanding how your actions today will come back to you mm. and act on you. Mm. Yeah. But now perhaps there is the urgency in order to act to fix it. Uh, there's now extreme urgency uh, coming from 16-year-olds uh, around the world who are now protesting because they are they're injecting an urgency into into this problem for us to solve. Um, yeah, well, it's it different worlds, a different understanding. Yeah, you know, if you, it's like a wildfire. Yeah. If you if you live in Africa and you don't have you don't have energy, you have to burn burn forests to, to, to create energy. So, and if if you solve the uh, the disease problem in Africa, but you don't solve the capability problem in Africa, what you have is more children. If you have more children, you have more cutting down of trees and more, more exploitation of, of natural resources. So it is it is an instable instable pattern of growth. Mm. 
shifmoidic in its in its nature. In other words, it will come, it will turn on you, mm. and and that is a difficult thing. I think if you read Harari's book on the the the, the of how people lived, say, thousands of years ago. I'm now talking about five, six thousands. The hunter-gatherer type of individual. They had a deep understanding of their context of the environment, but as they move on, they lost that understanding. They became specialists. Knowing everything about nothing. Not science is not the problem. Human <laughs> beings thinking about science is the problem. Science is a wonderful field, but... Uh, it's how you handle it. Yeah, it's if science gives you the arrogance, then it can yeah, be a problem. Well, that the arrogance is, uh, is only the product of a narrow mind, mm. and that perhaps that is what uh, discipline, disciplinary thinking it, uh, brings to you. Yeah, you think you know everything, mm. but actually you know only a small part of it. Mm. Which actually, that was my feedback after doing the first year of future studies: is that by the end of the year. I realized I knew less than what I did at the beginning of yeah. the year. Which I think is that's what's what education is. Education is a test of your limits. Mm. Not putting more and more into your mind. Mm. That's training. Yeah. There's a difference between education and training. Education is always cultural. Training is functional. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I need to put sapiens at the top of my reading list. Yeah, read them. for listening to Heroes of Futurism. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and we'll see you next time. Cheers.